Our call to worship is found in Psalm 37. Do not fret over those who do evil, nor worry because they do wrong. For like grass they shall suddenly wither, like the greenness of grass they shall fade. Trust in the Lord and do good. Enjoy the earth in security. Take delight in the Lord. He will give you what your heart desires. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust Him, for He is active. He will make justice come like the dawn, like noonday light, your justification. The Lord has helped for all the righteous in troubled times. He is their refuge. The Lord gives them help. He delivers them from the wicked. He saves them, for they trust Him. Let us pray. Our gracious God, we are so thankful that you give us this opportunity to come and worship you. Lord, it has been a busy day. Many things have already transpired this week that have at times just overwhelmed us with emotions, with fears, with anxiety. And God, we just lay those things before you right now. We'd ask, God, that you would remind us always of your presence, always of your strength, always of your courage that you give to each and every one of us that asks freely. And God, we are doing that right now. We think not only of our needs, but the needs of others, of family members, of friends, of co-workers. We think of the needs of people that maybe we have just met this week for the first time, Lord. And you are calling them to our minds right now. Lord, we lift them up to you in prayer. We'd ask God that you would intercede in a very special way in the needs that they have in their lives. Lord, we think of the many needs that we are aware of in our world in which we live in, in the nation that we are a part of, in the state or province that we live in, in the city or town that we are abiding in right now. And Lord, we lift those needs up to you right now. God, we would ask that you would give us an opportunity to help those that are in need. That you would give us that opportunity to reach out to others and to show others your love through us and the things that we do and say. Lord, we are so thankful that you have given us this wonderful opportunity to worship that you've given us this opportunity to pray to you in all things. And we are so thankful that you taught us to pray by saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Thank you for praying with me today.
It is wonderful to have. Can uh, one of you help the gentleman coming in the back door there in the wheelchair? Sorry about that. Thank you. There we go. Appreciate that. We begin our worship service by singing our call to worship, which is found in the red hymnal number 549, the doxology. Number 549, the doxology. is hymn number 637. Lord, our Master, how great is your name in the earth. Your praise is cast through the sky. From the mouths of babes and infants, you have called forth strengthened despite foes, silencing enemies and avengers. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have created, why should you notice a human? Why should you make use of man? You have made him almost like God and crowned him with glory and honor. You have him command of your works. You have placed at all of his feet the sheep, the ox, all of them. Yes, even the beasts of the field, the birds in the sky, the fish in the sea, swimming the paths of the ocean. Lord, our Master, how great is your name in the earth. Amen. Our first hymn this morning is number... Get it here for you. 107, when peace like a river. 107, when peace like a river in the red hymnal. Amen. Mm-hmm. 
Lead to your God, to 
Amen. Please be seated. And thank you for singing. Our scripture reading this morning comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 17, beginning with verse 1. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them up on a high mountain by themselves. There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. Just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah, talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground, terrified. But Jesus came and touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. When they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus instructed them, Don't tell anyone what you have seen until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. Amen. Let us pray. God, Lord, I am just so thankful for the worship time we've had. Through your hymns and through your scriptures, you have reminded us how each and every one of us is so important to you. And Lord, we are so thankful for that. And Lord, help us to keep that thought when we at times feel that you are so distant and we feel so far away from you. Remind us, Lord, how important each of us are to you. And God, I would ask that you would help me provide that truth that you want me to represent for your word this morning. Help me now, I pray, in Christ's name. Amen. The other day I was with one of our grandchildren, and I like using our grandchildren as examples because they're so wonderful, and they have all kinds of different examples I can use on a regular basis. And they're so honest, and they're so open. It's always refreshing, I think, a lot of times to be with my grandchildren. Sometimes it can be also frustrating. Sometimes they act out in a different way that I would prefer. And I guess all of us do that every once in a while. We too act out in ways that perhaps don't reflect who we truly are or who we truly should be. But the other day I was with our grandson Benjamin, and he is our youngest currently. And uh, he was doing something, and all of a sudden he became very scared. And he came running over to me, and you know he wanted me to pick him up and to hold him. And I asked what he was scared about. And what he was scared about is he had dumped something on the floor, and I think he was afraid of the repercussions that might happen because he did that. And I told him, don't worry about it, it's okay. Grandpa will clean it up and nobody will know anything about it. And he seemed to be very relieved about that, that I wasn't upset, and then obviously I think he was also relieved that nobody else would find out about what he did, because Grandpa would take care of it for him. The scriptures that we have read this morning gives us an understanding and a picture of at least three of the disciples being with Jesus when he was on the mountaintop and the whole experience of seeing Elijah and Moses and God's voice crying out to them that this is my son in whom I am well pleased to listen to him. And I don't know about you, but I would be very scared like Peter was and like the other disciples were if that would ever happen to me. So this morning I want to begin by saying as we look at the scripture passage, one thing that came out really clear to me was the fact is that God does not want us to be afraid in his presence. Now, there are times that the scriptures tell us that we are to fear God, but that the word fear means totally something different than being scared. 
When we fear God, it means that we are showing Him the reverence and acknowledging who He is as being God. And I know that's how the word is translated, but it's not fear in the sense of being afraid of God. It's just being having that fear of God in terms of the reverence that God wants us to have, in terms of an attitude towards God, that God is God, and that we should give reverence and honor and glory and praise to Him because of that. But here we actually have physical fright. Fright. There you go. I got it right. Being physically afraid. And Jesus told them what? Get up. Don't be afraid. So when we come and when we worship God anytime, whether it's here in the chapel or whether it's in the privacy of our room or in our car or when we're out walking, whatever we might do it, and all of a sudden we have that sense of the Holy Spirit creating within us the desire for us to worship God, that we should not be afraid to worship God, to worship the Son of God, not be afraid. And I believe a lot of times that when we come before God, we just have that sense that we are unworthy. And I would respond to that by saying, yes, we are unworthy, but the call to worship that we read this morning tells us that God has put us in a very special place with Him, that He has given us the ability to control the environment, the world in which we live in. Even though we don't deserve that type of responsibility or authority, but yet God has given that to us. That's because He cares about each and every one of us. He's given all of us individually that same authority and responsibility to His creation, to each other, but also understanding the relationship that we have with God. Because of what Christ has done for us on the cross, you and I have been restored to the permanent relationship that God has always intended for all of us. To be one with Him. To be His followers. To be the sons and daughters of God. Not just only adopted into His family, but coming back into the family in which we've always had a place. But yet there are times that we seem to be afraid of that and understanding that. So what am I afraid of? What are you afraid of when we come before God just as we are in terms of how He looks at us and how He examines us? I mean, we go to the doctor when there's something wrong with us, when we know that we have something ailing us. So why should we not go to God through His Son, Jesus Christ, when we know that we are not doing well in terms of how we are measuring up with the responsibilities that God has given us? That we are, I'll use the term, sin-sick, right? We are sick of our sin. And I can use that term for myself because I know that there are times in my life that I get sick of my sin. Lord, how can I do that? How can I be such a bad person? Does anybody else feel that way from time to time? But the Lord says, you know, I am the great physician. And when we come before Jesus Christ, He is there to heal our sin sickness. And we need to be reminded that that sickness that we have, that illness that we seem to carry with us, has been nailed to the cross. You know, as we go into the fall, each and every one of us will see some type of sign somewhere, or maybe our doctors will ask us, or our nurses will ask us, have you gotten your flu shot yet? I know that that's coming up, and we'll be seeing signs in it. And, and it's one of those things here where it is a requirement for all of us that work here that we have to have that flu shot. It's mandatory unless we sign some kind of waiver, have some kind of excuse that we are not to take it. But you know what? When we look at our lives through our Son, Jesus Christ, and we desire to worship Him, and we come before God with all of our sin sickness, it is an act of worship where every time we have that opportunity to worship God, it is though He is giving us an immunity. He's giving us something to fight the disease and the illness that's within each and every one of us. 
And so there's no reason for us to be afraid. In the same way that the disciples experienced Christ in all of his glory, so you and I have an opportunity every time we come before God and worship, we experience his son Jesus Christ in the same glory. The light and the brightness of Christ is there for us to remind us that he wants us to be always whole in our daily lives. He wants us to be healed. We've talked about this again and again and again because it's something that I also deal with is the remorse of the wrongs that we have done. It has all been taken away. We have been given immunity to the punishment of what we have done in the eyes of God. Our sins have been forgiven as far as the east is from the west. You and I no longer need to feel guilty. And when we come before God and worship the way that He wants us to worship, we understand that He is always approachable. That you and I are attracted to worship as we come and we worship God. As we fear God in which the fear is which we give Him the reverence and the respect and the adoration that He deserves. Because God has made a commitment to us. God has reminded us again and again and again that we are not to be afraid. And that you and I worship a living God. Not something that is dead. God is not dead. God lives in you and in me by the power of the Holy Spirit. And it is in that understanding that as we approach God as unworthy as we are, God says, you know what, I love you and I care for you. You know, we talked about in the chapel of just saying, I love you, God, and how real that statement is and can be as we desire to worship God, as we desire to say, God, I love you and I praise you for what you have done in my life, for us to be able to say, it is well with my soul, even though things are not the best or the brightest when we ourselves admit to our, all of our imperfections God how can I truly say it is well with my soul but it is as long as our soul is right with God one other theme that I seem to be seeing again and again and again and again when we go before the Lord in prayer and we wonder sometimes why God does not answer our prayer I want to suggest this to you in the same way that I suggest it to myself. Perhaps God may not be answering your prayers because of the things that you are doing wrong in your life. Because God cannot be anywhere where there is no holiness. A lot of times it's just an attitude and a response. God knows the things that we're trying to overcome. God understands the challenges that we have. And that's why as we come and worship God, we always should take the opportunity to say, God, forgive me because I know you cannot be where sin is. Because God who is holy cannot be where there is any unholiness something to think about if we wonder sometimes why our prayers go unanswered. Perhaps it is because we haven't confessed those things before God the way that God wants us to and there is still unholiness going on in your life and in my life and that's why the prayers don't seem to be answered the way that we want them to be. And if they are not answered the way that we want them to be, and we understand that we are doing our best to live that holy life, then we should say, it is well with my soul, because God, I don't understand all the things that are taking place in my life, but I know it's according to your will and according to your purpose, and I praise you for that. And that is not an excuse. It is not a cop-out. It is a way we identify with the fact that we have a relationship with God and it is made complete through His Son, Jesus Christ.
Can we rationalize that? I would have to say to you, no. I cannot rationalize to you the experience that I have with God. No, can you rationalize your experience with God? All you know is you can say that it does happen and that you do pray and you do show reverence and you do show respect and you do show adoration and you do worship God. And it is something that is between you and God, but yet you can't define it in words. But you can define it in truth in the Spirit that is within your own life and that's in my life as well. And then we see as Jesus tells them to get up, he continues on and he's having that mountaintop experience where Moshe and Elijah is there and God the Father honors him by saying, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. And he comes down from the mountain and he tells the disciples, don't tell anyone what happened until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. So here he is on this mountaintop of his experience and his disciples are, some of his disciples are sharing this with him. And he tells them, don't tell anyone until I am raised from the dead. He knew where he was going. He knew where the direction was taking him. And even then, if you remember in the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, if it is possible, Lord, please take this cup from me. And that should remind us of the humanity of Jesus Christ. The perfect humanity in which he did cry out, Lord, I don't want to do this, but if it is your will, let your will be done. And within that humanity, we see the humility that goes along with it. But that humility has a response. It's a response to the divinity of Christ. That we worship the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And as a reminder to us that within that humility, that we have the supremacy spiritually because of a relationship that we have with Jesus Christ and what he did for us on the cross. And it is revealed in our attitude of worship with what we believe in, what we understand. But once again, it goes back to the first part that we talked about. For you and I not to be afraid. Are you afraid of God this morning? There's no reason for you to be. Do I have reverence for God? Do I have adoration for God? Do I have respect for God? Absolutely. But God tells me I'm not afraid of Him. Not to be afraid of Him. And we reveal that in terms of who we are. And we respond many times just like Peter did. When we feel that we have to do something, we say and do stupid things because somehow we feel, well, we've got to do something, God. And many times we don't have to do anything. We just have to be still and allow God to speak. Many times the best time of prayer we can have is just sit in God's presence and be quiet and listen. And then there are other times when we are in God's presence that He wants us to open our mouths wide. And God does want to hear our petitions. He does want to hear our prayers. He has provided the intercessor, His Son, Jesus Christ, for each and every one of us. And I think we have to balance that out. When we come and we worship God, there is a time of quiet, there is a time of prayer in which we just listen to what God has to say for us, and then there are times when God wants us to open our mouths wide and just tell Him all of the needs that we have, all of the concerns that we have. And I believe that after we do that with the wide open mouth, that we still need to have that time of quiet just to hear God in our lives. Just to hear God and reflect on what God has done for you, what He has done for me, the many blessings that He has given us, the wonderful things that He has placed in our lives. 
For you see, within that presence, we understand the whole idea that there is God as part of the Trinity, part of the divinity, that there is a supremacy in terms of our relationship with God, not being superior to other people, not being self-righteous. On the contrary, it's a supremacy in which we reveal the humility of Christ within our own individual lives. And people know that we are not perfect, but somehow when they watch us, they expect perfection. And we make mistakes. We say dumb things. I was talking to someone the other day, and we do do stupid, don't we? Right? We do stupid. But yet God still loves us, still appreciates who you are in your humanity with your relationship with His Son, Jesus Christ. And so as we come any time before God, it's that attraction of worship that we have, it's that attitude of worship that God wants us to have, and the activity of worship that we have with Him in all things. So don't be afraid anytime you come and worship God. No need to do that. God loves you. He accepts you just for the way you are. We come before God and we acknowledge our imperfections and we just say, God, thank you for loving me forgiving me, blessing me. Now, God, before I open my big mouth and give you all my requests, I'm just going to listen to what you have to say. And then, God, with my mouth wide open, I will be praying about the different things that I have in my life, the concerns that I have, the frustrations that I have. And then, Lord, after that, I'm going to have another quiet time so I can hear your response to me in terms of your will and your purpose for my life. We have to make that time a priority. It's something that God wants us to do every day for our benefit, but also for the benefit of others, and of course, most importantly, the benefit of our relationship that we have with God. And that He wants that time that we have not to be afraid, but He wants it to be well-pleasing. He wants us to have that reflection, but also to be honest and open with our needs and requests. An act of worship that lifts us up as well as acknowledges the relationship that we have with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. It is my hope and prayer that what we have shared thus far in worship has been purposeful to you, has made sense to you, that have given you reason to pause and to acknowledge the true relationship that God wants you to have, always, always. Amen. Let us prepare our hearts or when we partake of communion as a body of believers in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we do so as an act of worship. And we do that time of confession individually because we just want to have that presence of God in our lives. And we can't have that presence until our sins have been acknowledged and have been confessed and we allow the grace and the love of God to overwhelm us and to come into our lives. Let us pray. Gracious God, Lord, I just want to thank you for each and every one that is here today. Lord, they have come as an act of worship Perhaps some have come out of being afraid, but yet they came anyway. Some have come, Lord, because we just want to do better in our lives. Show us how. God, we are so thankful that regardless of the motivation for coming this morning, that we have this opportunity to continue the act of worship 
by having communion together, being your sons and daughters, being one with you, crying out to you, Abba, Father. And as to you, Father, we cry out. We confess the sins that we've done in our lives. Because, God, we want to feel your presence and your holiness in our lives. Lord, we are, we are tired of being sin-sick. We are tired of that illness that we have called our old nature that we struggle with on a daily basis. And Lord, we just confess those things. Lord, we want that healing that you provide us. We want that holiness that you provide us. We want that life that you provide us. Lord, thank you that we can have this communion together. Honoring you as an act of worship, God, but also reminding ourselves how much you do love us and care for us. Thank you, God, for forgiving us and allowing your grace and love to flow in us right now. Amen. from the Lord what I also pass on to you. The Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and said this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let us partake together. In the same way after supper he took the cup saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let us partake together. Our closing hymn is number 389, Just As I Am, Without One Plea. Yeah. Hey. 